0: that i'm blending into the black curtain in the background but
1: for those of you not watching <laughs> welcome back to all this noise
0: we're here it's me valerie
1: hey valerie this is chad hi chad checking in
0: it's been a little bit
1: it's been a little bit yeah we've we well they don't know that they don't know that it, for them week it's to week just, <laughs> it's in
0: the same just us but it's well, been a little bit for us Hey, we've we been busy
1: no we had two touring weekends i was on the road with knock 2 and you had a wholesome touring
0: i had a wholesome little, touring weekend yeah Saw Adele with my mom.
1: Wow, Adele?
0: not dance music related. I but know, like, but it
1: was, so was that the pinnacle of like live entertainment right now? Other it than was maybe T-Swift show?
0: She, you know, it's like she sounds amazing. She looks amazing. Her show is really cool. And she has so many hits. I just ah. love her. She's like, she's like one of those artists that like everyone loves. What's
1: your favorite Adele song?
0: Ooh.
1: I put you on the spot?
0: I mean, I kind of am a sucker just for rolling in the deep. Because yeah. it's just, like, a classic. Yeah, I think I just, like, really enjoyed it. That's I, not, like, an underground hit, obviously.
1: No. I, well, I don't consider any of her hits, like, an underground hit.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair.
1: <laughs> like, you know, 200 million record sales. They're just yeah. so underground. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So underground. I once had an, I told you this, I once had, a, like, an ugly cry to someone like you. Like, I had, like, a, <laughs> like, a mouth open. Like, Aah! It was was really unfortunate, but I was in a, I was in a very interesting place in my life. Yeah. It would just like, it would just, it set me off. See,
0: that's what I mean. She's a unifying artist. Moms love her. Yep. Parents lover, Chad, open mouth crying.
1: <laughs> just bawling.
0: Oh, God. Why, I was,
1: did I just say that I wasn't expecting
0: us to go there. No,
1: and uh, this is what comes of this podcast. We just, you know, we we get people to open we share. up. share. And we had a really great guest, Miha, come through. We did. Yeah. We did. It
0: was a fun episode. And I think, I mean... I think for anyone listening, we all have heard of or seen Miha throughout the years. So, And you and I both have known her for many years in our various industry positions. And I think it was really cool to catch her at this phase of her career and hear about all the things she's up to and just see how she's grown. It's been really cool, actually.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with some of our guests, we've definitely heard about them going through like a full circle moment if they've Mm -hmm. been around for a certain amount of years and I think that she kind of alludes to this in the convo but she's kind of like in her back in her you know DJ producer era after having been kind of dabbling in different aspects of of her music career but yeah yeah, I think that people are finding DJing fun again
0: yeah there's that for sure and I think another interesting thing is you know she's been doing a lot more of like, controlling her own narrative of, like, you know, doing social media content and all that kind of stuff. But I do think it's interesting because this has come up a few times with different guests, but, like, because we've been in the music space for several years now, we've kind of seen different iterations of eras and people coming in. And she was definitely one of those people where all eyes were on her for, like, quite a few years around Skrillex and the era then there was a lot of stuff that I feel like even you and I probably didn't know the details of that she went through and now she's kind of like sharing those stories, which I think is pretty cool, especially for maybe newer fans. Yeah,
1: Yeah. absolutely. And and it comes with, with age and perspective where you can kind of sort of weigh in on those, those moments in your life, I think with a different really healthy outlook. Um, But one that's also like informative I really like some of the things that she said uh, in yeah. some of those reels on Instagram and stuff about intentionality, mm-hmm. uh, how people handle certain things in their lives and what that leads to. But you don't really see a lot of those doors opening in real time and yeah. you go back and then you can connect the dots all these years later.
0: Yeah. And I think also it feels really refreshing because sometimes things feel like really manufactured nowadays. I think that's just the nature of, you know, music festivals and certain artists are like really viral and like that just kind of happens, you know, but I think with her story, it's especially very DIY, very like punk nature, kind of like she was really just a kid who loved the music and was a candy raver, you know, and like really made it. So
1: yeah, you see a lot of people comment on stuff and they're like real, 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 you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's super real. you know. And I, this conversation for me, uh, especially because she had such an instrumental part in yeah. helping blow up Brownie's and lemonade, a yeah. part of our lives. So. Some
0: some B and L lore that she was involved in, which is really fun as well. So I think it's a good episode. Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoy.
1: And there will be no Adele po- postmortem here after this. Okay, We're <laughs> not I can gonna... talk about
0: Adele yeah. whenever you want to. Just hit me up. Okay. Right. Uh,
1: and uh, hope you enjoy. Take care.
0: anyways uh <laughs> that is what our guests to said. all this noise thank you it's so fun having you here cuz when you got here we were talking about how we haven't i haven't seen you personally in a couple of years now but i feel like i've known you for a long time and you guys were catching up of the glory days of ah. brownies and ausla and everything
2: it's <laughs> nice to have you here oh thank you and i'm excited
0: to talk to you cuz like i feel like we were talking already a little bit about tiktok and you doing story times and stuff and i feel like You're entering or maybe you're already in this era of like recapturing stuff that was old, but in like a new way for yourself, kind of taking back the narrative of what we talked about. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm curious, like, when do you feel like that started for
2: you and why now? It started about a month or two ago when Mm -hmm. I was scrolling, doom scrolling on TikTok in the middle of the night. As one does. And I just randomly, I don't know where it came from, I randomly had an epiphany that why am I not making the content that I'm watching? Mm. Because my For You page is, like, all long videos. It's it's either, like, story times or, like, Informational tech, you know, nerdy conspiracy, whatever it comes up on there, <laughs> they're always like really long story times. And so I was like, yeah. well, I have a really interesting story. Yeah. Maybe I should, maybe I should just talk about, you know, a lot of things that happened to me. I mean, I'm pretty sure I could go forever with different stories about my career and how I've how I've come up. So I got the bravery to do it. I put a little filter on my face, and I was like, all right, <laughs> you got this. <laughs> you can um, do it. <laughs> so that's kind of like why I started doing it. But also, like, I am in the midst of like putting out a new EP and uh, going on tour soon. And, you know, now that I'm in my thirties, I've just kind of had this big revelation that like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, Mm. can I cuss on here? Oh yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) I I just don't care anymore. Like I want to be able to tell my story. I want to be able to like, you know, promote myself and be like, be really proud of myself. I feel like for a long time, like I was always really humble and really shy. And like, Mm -hmm. I, I had imposter syndrome for a long time, so I didn't always necessarily feel like I could be, like, that confident and be, like, owning everything that I was doing. And for the first time ever, I feel like I I am. And I, you know, so. That's great. I'm getting brave and I'm talking about it. Good. (laughs) Good for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's artists are taking it back. That's one of the positive byproducts of where we are right now with social media is that back in the day, obviously, you would have maybe uh, a blog publication mm. kind of t- interview. You. It never comes out the way you want though. Very rarely will you get interviewed and then things are conveyed. They usually pick the worst thing that you could have said maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> whatever's like, the most
2: clickbaity. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so
1: I think that is one of the benefits, especially for artists and creators is to have the direct to audience, um, you know, on your terms kind of um, storytelling. Cause Really? Yeah, at the end of the day, maybe a lot of people didn't even know what your voice sounded like.
2: You know? No, most people don't. Like th- I haven't talked to a camera very many times in my entire career just cuz that doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. yeah But I do I do think that like I have seen a lot of other artists like kind of start to do a similar thing, um which is awesome. I do I think it's amazing for artists to be able to tell their own stories for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Good. I I think it's really interesting cuz I
0: was rewatching, you know, a lot of your story times and having been in the adjacent of like watching you come up and like go through those experience and then like hearing your story of it do you feel like there's anything that like as you were telling those stories was there anything that you were like this never got talked about or like i wish people had known more about this that you like emphasized in telling those stories
2: yeah 100 percent. i did that i mean that's kind of the that was another purpose of telling these stories is like a lot of people knew the overarching broad story, but nobody knows, like, the little details inside. Yeah. And there were so many little, like, synchronicities and things that just magically lined up in, at the beginning um, of my career that, you know, nobody knows about that. So yeah. it's really fun to talk about those things. And to be fair, there's still a lot of really small, minute details that I, I couldn't put in there that mm-hmm. I would love to write a book about in the future. Yeah. Um so we'll see your book yeah, I mean, at this f- point <laughs> my google doc is getting long enough like i might as well throw it in chat gpt and have it just fill out the rest <laughs> Just do
1: <it> for you. <laughs> you're
0: like i have chapters i'm ready to go
2: chat gpt go for it like yeah. go crazy i'm sure Make they, the crazy I'm sure they story. do a pretty yeah. good
1: job it is interesting about the fiction yeah it'd be pre- <laughs> <laughs> it just turns into a sci-fi Literally. i mean honestly though the thing about writing a book i thought about it too um because i think you know with what we've done and lived through there is something interesting there i think the bearing which degree you're able to reveal the actual details or like the depth of which you go into some of the stories just to protect people's privacy and other things is always something i've thought about you know and
2: and also like in the time span that we have like we're limited on these instagram stories to one minute and 30 seconds that's like basically a tweet if you're telling a whole story yeah you know like how am i supposed to get out all the information and explain it to you and like a cohesive proper way yeah without like going too fast or like skipping over things yeah yeah, i also
0: think it's interesting because like you were talking before we started recording about how and i'm sure this happens to you all the time about people who are maybe discovering you over the past like five or more recently years asking you like what was so special about that time and it's kind of funny because i try and think back i'm like if tiktok and like social media was the way it was back then it wouldn't have been as cool because I kind of feel like there was like the mystery of it, right? Like you kind of saw some Instagram posts, photos, like, you know, your hair was a certain color and it was really eye-catching and I don't know. It was just like the mystery of that, I think helped to fuel that like people didn't really know what was going on. So now having you do like the look back, it's like such a good time for that because now kids can actually know what was going on yeah, and respect
2: that. Because yeah. a lot of people remember. And yeah. so they're like, oh, wow, i This is all coming back to me, and it's like, you know, they can relate to it, because they remember it from the first time, and now they're getting it the second. Yeah. I think that there's another really big factor, though, aside from, like, yeah, everything was a bit more mysterious and, like, elusive, Mm -hmm. but I am fully convinced that it was purely the friendship group that made it happen. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think about it, in 2014, Jaws, me... Gastly, S- Sullivan King, IO, like all these people were all hanging out in like, in this school mm. together. like, yeah. And everyone was putting each other on. Everyone was like super tight. Everyone was collabing with each other. I was going through my emails recently um, to, you know, I was going to build my own like mega DJ promo list just for sending out my tracks to like yeah. industry people and friends. Yeah. And I have a lot of contacts. So when I'm going through this email, I'm like going through all these old emails, right? <laughs> right. I find emails of me sending fucking marshmallow to, to Sonny, to Wes, me sending Stan Holo to Dylan Francis. Like, <laughs> I was putting on all of my friends to any connection yeah. that I had at the time, and yeah. we were all doing that simultaneously. So then I think that's how, like, all these bigger DJs started playing all of our records and the fact, you know, that we were all just friends and we were always together and we we're always posting each other. And, like, there's, like, this fandom storyline that can, like, be written in between the lines from the viewers, mm. um... And, the, you know, they want to be a part of, like, this whole—it's not just me. It's not just Ghastly. It's, like, this whole friendship group that they want to be involved in.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think that's the really beneficial part of, like, the collective mindset. I mean, this place is literally called Icon Collective, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, that was, like, a big a big part of that era. I think we're much more in the individualism era right now. Mm-hmm. Um, collectives, mm-hmm. I think, serve a really important purpose, like you're saying, for for that. Um, but, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to, like, look back at it and be like— The email blast thing, that was something that we've talked to previous guests about. Like there is like a different level of personal touch to getting an email from someone with their stuff. And I know that, you know, that stuff kind of exists in different areas now, whether it be Discord or a DM group or, you know, WhatsApp or whatever. But there's just it's just different. It's just Mm -hmm. something that only existed in that period of time that we reminisce about now. Like, you know, everything that is pre-technology in a certain point, we always are going to look back and be like, yeah, that was... It was special. It was like, we were friends. It's not <laughs> like friendship is any better or worse now. It's just like, yeah. in that era.
2: But I think I mean. when, ev- when, they, when all these different people are like small and they're all coming up at the same exact time, mm-hmm. it's like, you're not just building like a skyscraper for yourself. You're building a whole empire. Yeah. Yeah 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 all the boats rise together as they say well we've yeah. said also that <laughs>
1: yeah. the, the, the other difference is that i think now because now you're you're sharing your voice but i think that is like kind of the norm now because of this attention economy there's just so much stuff that you almost have your voice is almost just as important as your music absolutely
2: no yeah. your your whole facing front your voice your your morals your what you stand for like everything matters
1: yeah Do do you think that's like how do you feel about that? I, I don't know if it's like better or worse, but like, what do you think are some of the pros and cons of that kind of for artists, for musicians?
2: For me personally, I I like it because my entire career has been just built on um, whether or not people like me. <laughs> 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 so for me, that's great. That's not what I expected you I, to say. I, I no, but, I mean, it's kind of true. Like people like in the beginning, like before and before I even had music out they were like, oh, I fuck with her because she's a good DJ and, like, she just seems cool, and then I made music, and they're like, wow, this music is cool. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't know, I feel... What, what were you saying right before Oh, that? yeah,
1: like, if... if what But that is, like, the pros and cons of, like, your voice being so valued mm. now. Mm.
2: Yeah, so, like, the pros is that you can actually be the speaker, like, rep- the representative for yourself. Yeah. Um, the cons is the mystery, obviously. There's, there's no more mystery, and I feel like it's hard to create an actual, like, superstar personality or, like, a, an individual without um, having any of that, like, you kind of need that mystery there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not always, but, you know, depending on what you're no, trying it to do. It, just, yeah. it really just depends, though. Like, yeah. depends on what your branding is, what your your motives are, how long you're trying to last. Like, if you're yeah. marshmallow, you're going to last forever. <laughs> right.
0: You know what I mean? Like, right. that's,
2: that was the most genius move. Yeah. Marketing move, you know? Yeah
0: smart marketing but yeah I feel like I've always appreciated that like you as an artist and the brand that you have put out there has always felt one really DIY in like an authentic way and also therefore just like very you so I guess like I don't even really know what my question is there but like I think it it's respectable that you're like embracing this side because I feel like it's just hard. Like even as a person who's not an artist or not a brand, like putting yourself out there on social media is so difficult. And now like putting out your stories to people feels really vulnerable.
2: Like do you ever go through that experience? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed every single time I'm making <laughs> these videos. Yeah. Like it's still it's still embarrassing. Even though I like I like the reactions that I've gotten from it. And I like that I'm learning I'm like I'm scripting for the first time. Yeah. Um so that's like cool. Yeah. And I'm getting a little bit more confidence talking to a camera, which is nice. It's, it's building up my skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's super, super embarrassing most of the time. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's, but that's, that's like refreshing too. I think, I do think that, um, it was like that when you were first coming up, like you said, but a lot of people just like the hangoutable vibe of a, of a public figure or artist, you know, just yeah. like if I would go hang out with someone, that's like a classic thing, you know, it's like, People used to vote for presidents that they would rather get a beer with, you know. No, but I totally. think that that's how a lot of people are now, especially is like mm. they just they just fuck with you. They're like, I, I I just care about that more than anything. And um so I think that being vulnerable, I think people can also see the merit and the in endearment in that. You know, yeah, so totally. Don't overthink it, anyway, <laughs> no, too, because I, I think not, a lot of people love that.
2: I'm not. I I do I do see what it's what it does. Like for you know for socials, for me, for for everybody, and I I think it's all net positive at the end of the day. So yeah. you got to keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also feel like
0: it's one of those things where, like, I you know, thinking just through your story times, like you were talking in one one of your earlier ones about how like you were really strong as a dj but then you recognize you're like i hadn't like gotten my producer skills up yet so like i had to work on that like i feel like i don't know like do people if people feel confident enough to say stuff like that nowadays
2: that's the other thing i was going to say actually which yeah. is fun about doing doing these story times like so many years later and not doing them yeah. at the time that they were all happening I don't think I would have been able to do it at that time because I didn't yeah. have enough context to understand what was happening at, right. the, at the time like yeah. I knew that a lot of things a lot of big things were going on but even in interviews back in the day and people would ask me how does it Sorry. how does okay. it feel to you know, uh, like to blow up to get all this recognition. And I, my answer was always the same. I was like, I don't know how this feels. Like yeah. I You're I'll like, let I'm you happy. know I'll let you know in like five, ten years, as of now, like this is like all, yeah. all very overstimulating and I don't really know. Yeah.
0: But, but yeah. now
2: that I can tell these stories later, it's like I actually have context. I have a lot more experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. It um it just puts me in a better place to be able to tell these stories mm-hmm. in a really like yeah authentic way. Yeah. I appreciate that too because not even... being scared of like, you know, being like at the time there's no way at the time I would have been like oh I'm not good at making music like exactly not yeah. when Skrillex is telling everyone you're a sick producer like that's fucking crazy <laughs> Yeah, it's, exactly it's yeah, also yeah. not your
1: responsibility to weigh in on that in real time you know because no. it's never going to like age the right way no either, right, right? I mean, no. No one but is now like, that I've
2: put in the work and I have the catalog to prove it I'm like okay guys yeah. we you know yeah We've made a lot of progress. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: because like I always said, like, no one is just sitting around in their green room when they're headlining one of these festivals being like, yo, isn't it sick how rich and famous we are? They're always talking about, (laughs) they're always talking about how they started. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you know. Two or
2: three times I've said that.
1: (laughs) Um, But, you know, people are always going to reflect on what you're saying that five years ago, like, dude, isn't it crazy that we were like in this thing? Yeah. And I think one of the things that you had said that really resonated with me was like when these doors or windows of opportunity come up, it's about yeah. like the intention that you have when you go through them. You know? 100%. And, that's, and I think that only someone who's like lived kind of like a little bit more can say that with confidence. Like,
2: Yeah, you know? no, I, I wouldn't have even known that at the time. Yeah. yeah. For sure.
1: And there's just like all these moments in your life where you can look back and like kind of apply those kinds of, that kind of thought Uh, in retrospect but
2: like oh that was for that and that's what led to that and yeah yeah Yeah. and that helps your story you know now it's kind of therapeutic honestly going back and telling these stories because like I haven't told these stories in like a while I mean I tell like a a very like cliff notes version in interviews and when I get asked but that's like kind of just on autopilot at this point so it it is kind of fun like deep like diving deep into the back of my brain and like remembering all these different stories and I get, and you know, I, everything seems like really funny. I get to laugh at everything now. Yeah. try to keep it pretty light. But also I think my intention is to, in in whatever way, educate or inspire people that are coming up at the same time um, and just letting them know, like, you know, crazy things can happen to you out of nowhere if you're ready for it. And if you like know how to navigate through it. Yeah. Yeah. If you exactly. If you're just willing to walk through that door, if you're willing to take the jump and Sell all of your belongings and move to Los Angeles, but that. Yeah. But, but again, you know that has to come with like a warning, like that doesn't happen for everybody. But I yeah. do think that everybody gets their moment when their time is right, when they're ready for it. Yeah, I truly yeah. believe that.
1: It's like ninety five percent timing.
2: Yeah, really. Yeah, hundred percent. It,
1: it, it comes down to that, just that. It's just
2: luck. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then
1: people always say luck is when you know pre- preparation meets opportunity, and exactly. And so I just feel like it, it, it's. I, I would love to take it back a little bit because. Um, You know, some people listening to this haven't watched uh, maybe some of the reels or seen the stories that you've been telling. But uh, you started kind of like as a local promoter DJ, right?
2: Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) In Arizona.
2: (laughs) Colored or technicolored Energy was my first production company name.
1: Oh, I love that. Because you know, a great amber
2: name. is the color of your energy.
1: <laughs> Shout out 311.
2: <laughs> yeah. Still touring Incredible. off that <laughs> one. Unfortunately, Technicolor has already been uh, patented and sealed by the T V company. Right. So I had to know. A
1: little bit before so you. Was a, it was it. a
2: fake company, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> I had a logo though. You had that high name. hopes. I had a, I I made, I made that. a logo. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not, not to be biased, but anyone who comes from a promoter DJ background, I think, has a different perspective on the industry. I mean, for yeah. me, it's shaped everything. Mm-hmm. Um what was it? What's that like for you, though? Like, how did that inform or how did you learn skills coming from that background that you think prepared you for being an artist, touring and all the other, th- other stuff you faced, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, when I first started going to raves, I couldn't afford to get into the parties. And so I had to figure out how am I going to get into the raves? So I would start helping the vendors. I would start carrying the ice cream. Into the door because if you're carrying ice cream through a door, like nobody's gonna stop you. Like yeah, they're concerned about this ice cream <laughs> melting. Like that's the only thing that matters. That's a good act. So that wow. was like that was like my first in, and I be like came friends with some of the vendors. And then um, there was a website at the time called don'tstayin.com, which thank God it does not exist because I was grounded my entire childhood because of this website and the photos that were on here. Yeah. <laughs> um Candy but kid photos. the good thing about this website, or like I don't know if it was good, but there was these forums, like, internet forums, and that was my first introduction into rave politics. Like, mm-hmm. it was just people, like, you know, being internet trolls, but also, like, internet fighters, like, yeah. and it was just Phoenix and the UK that used this. So it was, like, a bunch of Phoenix people fighting <laughs> with each other, and then every now and then, like, we'd get, like, a raid of people from the UK that just wanted to fuck with us and, like, swarm in and, like, ruin all of our threads. And we're like, okay, start over. but um, that's British I, invasion. That's where I learned... Literally. literally. Oh, sorry, God, sorry to derail you. That's so oh, yeah. um, That's where I learned, like, the politics, how things worked, what yeah. date stomping was. Because at the time, there wasn't enough... You know, you can only have one party per day, two parties per weekend max. Like, otherwise, yeah. if you put something on the calendar, like, that, you're an asshole for date stomping somebody else. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, rules and stuff. And I learned um, all the different roles that it took to be in the party. And I kind of navigated around befriending people, helping them, learning that. Mm-hmm. Until they had me handing out flyers for them when I was, like, 16, 17. Like, and I loved it. I wasn't getting paid for it. I just, like, yeah. wanted to be a part of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the, by the time that I was about to turn 18, it was like the end of my high school graduation. And um, that's when I was like, I'm 18. I can finally legally throw my own party. So that's why I did <laughs> like the same weekend I turned 18 as I threw my first party.
1: Wow. What um, was, so what was this party?
2: It was uh, called Yoshi's Island. It was about <laughs> 3,000 underage kids packed in a illegal warehouse with some off-duty cops. So it was like not legal, but like we hired policemen to... Keep us from getting Shop shut around. down. literally, we. Have, oh my god, that's yeah. adorable. That's um, crazy. Yeah, only only sold water and orange juice. We hired uh, DJ Ravine was one of the headliners. Sharky was a headliner. That's awesome. Wow. Um, yeah, we were booking like not that big of DJs, but like you know we nice. usually have like one headliner at these raves, mm. one yeah. or two. How did you even get into that zone of dance music?
0: Which part, like? leading into you attending your first rave before you oh. went through the first rave. Like how did that become interesting to you?
2: Um, I did mushrooms. <laughs> with a bunch of friends and then a week later I did acid with the same group of friends and then I saw a youtube video um and it was like this like visualizer with a song called ravers fantasy by tune up I think I
0: can imagine it in my head right (laughs) now I know exactly what it looks like already
2: oh my god (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) um and I just remember hearing this song and I was like this is everything like I've never heard anything like this the energy the just like the sense like I was just dancing around my bedroom after school, like making candy bracelets before I even went to a rave because I was like, just like role playing what it would be like to get to go to a rave. And then finally I made um, some friends that I figured out went to raves and one of them was 16 and had a car and her mom was super cool. Let us do whatever we want. (laughs) So we all stayed at her house and we would go to the raves um, on the weekends from hers. Wow. So it all came down to one YouTube video. One YouTube video, it's a little all bit psychedel- starts. A little psychedelic in the YouTube video. <laughs>
1: well, the YouTube video stuff is still a thing. That's how a lot of people no. get into it. I mean, it's not.
2: I remember so vividly the second I, w- I saw that video, and it was just, everything changed. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, the YouTube videos I watched also were influential were like 240p. Like yeah, just like crackling. Bits. I think
0: mine is like the Zeds Dead remix that has like you know that blue Sunfire. speaker. Yes, exactly. UK, and I like yeah. remember so Banger. specifically sitting there being like Whoa. that
2: was my that was my G one <laughs> cell phone like the Google one phone that was my ringtone. Yeah, because <laughs> it song? was epic. Right? I love
0: it. Yeah. We were
2: all changed. So you strange. know, it's
1: it's awesome though. Like your your origin story is how a lot of amazing things started. That's kind of how Insomniac and EDC started. Yeah, it like, oh, it's
2: very similar. Yeah, yeah, I've heard their stories. I'm like, oh, that sounds like kind of like my old rave days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, literally, you know, people told me about, like, going into a warehouse. It didn't have power. Just, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> rigging it to, like, get a light. are <laughs> like, how out did illegally. we make this
0: happen? You look back on that, and you're like, how did anyone do that?
1: I mean, Pasquale was flyering all over L.A. at yeah. specific places with demographics or groups that he wanted to come to their little rave called Electric Daisy yeah. Caramel, you know? And
2: Flyering is, was literally what it took. Like, I would, I planned my first ray for six months. Like that's how much in advance that I started flyering at least. Like I had the flyers in six months in advance and I was at every single party until four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, handing out my silly die cut flyer. They're full page die cuts, by the way. They weren't, oh, they my weren't gosh. small or silly. They're very, very <laughs> <Official>. serious. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, And that was like the most important part. And I would just stand out there and be like, come to my party, come to my party over and over and over again as if I'm like. Macaulay Colkin from Party Monster. You were yeah. serious. You no, took it serious. So and I feel serious. like, for
0: context, it's a good reminder that like social media did not exist back then. So, yeah, like, that was no. the only way you, you could ensure parties. that people were going to come to your party.
2: Yeah. Or don'tstayin.com, our one little website. Your one little. That's where, where you find them. But if you don't, you know, unless you're like in it, you don't really know. Yeah. It. Yeah, exactly. Thank God that
1: you are all expired. Oh, my God. <laughs> it doesn't
2: exist. <laughs> I pray. <laughs> I prayed that it would for so long, and it did. And I was like, yes. Yes. cuz at first they rebranded and i was like oh no 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 guys yeah, <laughs> stop
1: yeah. please please don't uh yeah i'm glad my live journal is long dead um that would just oh my be, god that would be bad. so embarrassing um but yeah that, that it's interesting um kind of like that progression that so the story that you told in the first of your storytime series uh is basically when you got invited to play Bonnaroo. and that was you were discovered through um someone who had been coming to your shows and or you worked with in the the market?
2: Yes, this guy named Jeremy, he was working um, with this group called Camp Walter and they are huge burners. Shout out 420 on the playa, Walter. (laughs) Um, And they have an art car. They have a bunch of art cars, but one was called Calliope and Mm -hmm. that was like their new baby at the time and they had signed a contract with Bonnaroo to go and do the after parties, which was like on site. Um, After party would start, I don't know, maybe like two, one or two and then go to like, Six o'clock in the morning, every day. Um, I only hear
1: good things about the like camping and after parties at Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo, is just so
2: special. Yeah, Yeah. it's such a special little farm. Yeah. Um, So
1: yeah, and you got up there and they were doing their own thing. You had a closing. You had like one of the last slots.
2: Yeah, I had I had the this five or six a.m. slot, (laughs) and uh, yeah, I I I walked up on the stage to play, and it wasn't like my only set, so I wasn't like it wasn't like that big of a deal. But it was like the last set that I had and the DJ that was playing, um, he was killing it on acid and did not want me to play. I, I, I walked up and he was like, he just looks at me, like shakes his head. He's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, OK. OK. <laughs> and like, I can't argue with this guy. This guy like built the entire sound system on the art okay, car. Yeah. Like he 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 was like an authoritative person, like authoritative uh, yeah. figure to me. Like I was just last minute. A girl that like, got on. So I, you know, whatever. It's yeah. fine. You're like, I respect. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just like sat out on the sidelines until Skrillex walked on stage. And um, I'd known him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he recognized me, but I had known him for a long time. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: And he asked me what I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be DJing. And I was like, oh, you wanna let me play. And then he got up and said, if you play one, I'll play one. So we did a little back to back.
1: Damn. A one for one B2B with Skrillex. I mean, that's. Uh,
2: Do you remember that- what you played? I opened with Shibasan, Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: which, that's
0: the which, era. Which
2: was the song. That the, dates song, the era. It I love was, that. Yeah. That was like the song of the moment. It was. That it was Yeah. That was the
0: song of the moment for a long moment, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> no, that
2: song still gets played all the it's time. It's a banger. Yeah, so Certified good. banger. Certified. <laughs> uh, I, that's what I opened with, and I just remember everyone went crazy, and I was like, yes, I did it. Like, I did something. <laughs> and then that, I just blacked out the rest of the time.
1: Oh, my God. Wow what, a, what a I, I
2: remember like one specific thing that I didn't mention in the story is that he, halfway through the set, he looks at me. And he's like, "Do you have anything that's not house music?" And I was like, "No." no. <laughs> I had one. I had one Kill Paris song. Yeah. Back in the, you know Kill Paris, yeah, like yeah. that was that's the only thing I had. Name. That wasn't. He's like, "Okay, I bet." So that's a that's why up until like the very last ten minutes of the whole thing, it's just pure house music.
1: You were ahead which of time, which I think time. is
2: another reason why it went more viral. Because I think if we were just playing like. Dubstep, Dubstep or, yeah. or like yeah. anything, like I don't think people would have been as surprised by it, mm. right?
0: Yeah, because it would have been so same.
2: Yeah, like no, it was, was a like house time. music set. Like that was actually probably one of the first of its kind. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting how it's kind of changed so that. much. Now it's like only house. We're back. It's like, do you have anything other? House music other? Is forever. Yeah. It's like the same question is <laughs> as being asked now.
2: That is true. Do you
0: true. have anything other than house on here? So <laughs> I, I mean, when I watch that story time of yours, and I feel like again, like I said before, like seeing it happen when it was going on, actually, and then hearing your version of it. I've always been curious to know for you after, you know, that big break moment was happening and, you know, you're getting all these interviews and attention. What was it like for you, like in the just after that moment? Because I feel like that's like an interesting thing, right? Is like you get all this attention as a new artist, which is both exciting, but also probably kind of scary mm-hmm. and like nerve wracking in that you're, now, have all these expectations. So, like, how did you deal with that?
2: Pretty, pretty well. I set myself up. Um, another little strange coincidence that happened was so, when I got invited to bonnaroo it was my birthday. It was my birthday party. That was the night that I was teaching and got invited. For my birthday that year, I had gifted myself uh, a MacBook Pro, hmm. two studio monitors, M Audio monitors that I still use to this day, <laughs> um, and like awesome. an M. PK, like okay, 25 or whatever, those like small little MIDI keyboards. This one guy on Craigslist, he sold me the whole bundle at once. So Great. I had nice. literally bought in that for myself the week before mm. I had gotten asked Bonaru. And so then the whole Bonary thing happens and I come back and immediately I'm like, well, thank God I just bought all this like music production <laughs> gear and like able like a computer with Ableton on it. And I was like, okay, you're gonna take this seriously now. Yeah. But I wasn't, I wasn't getting interviews right away. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, I actually I actually came back and I there's this one guy who saw what happened and he was stoked. He's like he's a promoter in Scottsdale, I hate Scottsdale. He <laughs> he hits me up and he's like, Hey, like I just saw like your back to back it was so cool. I wanna book you to play in Scottsdale at this party and I was like, Cool, um, I'll be I'll cost this much. And he's like, Okay. And like so and did you
0: just come up with costs like arbitrarily? Because oh, at was the time like, it was like a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I wasn't
2: getting paid shit. <laughs> yeah, you were um, your own agent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, sh- the Sheraton paid me two hundred dollars a night, but that was for like four hours of DJing. But that you know, totally different. <laughs> you were like hell yeah, different story. But it, anyways, I didn't want to go to Scottsdale, but I, I was like, you know, what, take this opportunity and run with it. Yeah. And so I show up to the club by myself because none of my friends want to go to Scottsdale. I'm like an hour early cuz I'm super punctual and nervous yeah. about everything. I'm hanging out there. I'm like this sucks, this sucks. It's almost my turn. And then I sh- I walk up to the decks to to play my set. And the guy turns around. I shot you not. And he's like, "No, uh the club owner actually wants the opener to keep going." Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I have kidding me. This is, like, literally a week <laughs> after this happened at Bonnaroo. And I said, okay, you're still going to pay me, though. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And then I left. And that was oh. my first time not playing Scottsdale. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: the first time. No, so what I'm saying
2: Scottsdale. is, like, it didn't really even matter. Yeah. Like, after the Skrillex thing, like, nobody really cared at that point still yeah. who I was. It wasn't until the a series of Burning Man, Tomorrow World, Mm-hmm. Um and then me moving to LA that really kicks things off. Mm. But like the Tomorrow World, the Burning Man was just like you know Camp Walter stoked on me right now because of the Bonnery thing. They're like we're all going to Burning Man. I was like sick. Yeah. Um. But then like the the Tomorrow World thing, I like randomly won a mix contest on Mix Cloud, um, for a small record label to get an opening time slot, and that was really what did it because when I went back there, I did I won I, I did the whole DJ set and then I got to be reconnected with all of these like superstar DJs that I just met that I was just meeting for the first time. And it was like, yeah. oh, Miha's back. Like you must be legit because like we've seen you three times now. Like yeah. you must be like huge.
1: You, you mentioned <laughs> you you shared an artist shuttle with, uh, was it Red Light and Cut, Cut Snake, Snake? And yes. then you are like, yeah, you acted like you had been there before, oh but my God. internally. I was
2: great. dying. I was such a big fan yeah. of both of them. Yeah. Was, oh man. Yeah. No, all three of them are great. That was, that was like, a crazy little moment and they're all playing on my stage too which is the cute part
1: yeah yeah well it seems like the club kind of coming up in that club atmosphere really kind of gave you a little bit more of a thick skin and like how to because that's very common like people get bumped all the time and hundred percent like i have
2: a million stories of like times that i was not treated well as a a local dj (laughs) yeah
1: oh totally i we threw this party at no filter in hollywood and you know we were the promoters for the night my friend was headlining he was playing and then Dana White came in, you know, from the UFC, and he bought a table. And they <laughs> immediately put his visuals up.
2: Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and then okay. they're
1: like, hey, can you play the Beastie Boys? Dana oh. wants to hear the Beastie Boys. And my friend's like, yeah, sorry, nah, nah, it's not that kind of night. And then they just kicked him
0: off.
2: Wow. <laughs> and that they happened got someone from the... Yeah, so it <laughs> happened to yeah. me in Asia before. Yeah. <laughs> not playing what I thought that they wanted me to play. <laughs> yeah. And
0: they're like, I was you're like, out.
2: Oh no, this room looked really techno. No. No. <laughs> no, it was not a techno room. It was very much a bottle <laughs> service club.
1: <laughs> I think it's good for people to get their I mean, some people to learn through those means, you know, because oh, it prepares yeah. you for a lot. Yeah, yeah no, it does.
2: it doesn't even matter what I learned. Like when the times that I've gotten kicked off, like I was getting kicked off for like not being significantly less cool than I am. And like you have to remember that because even though you know like No, like I'm, I know what I'm doing and like. I'm cooler than like what these people want me to be. Yeah, it still hurts your ego to get kicked off, oh, even sure. if like <laughs> even if you're being awesome. It still hurts. Calvin Harris
1: got bumped in Vegas once, you know, did he? for not playing. Yeah, I mean, this really? Yeah, this is like pre yeah, like pre <laughs> EDM pop days, yeah, yeah, but like yeah, this yeah. happens, you know, like very commonly. Out. It doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: Just kick him out. You're not doing. Doesn't great. matter
1: who you are. Get out um, of here. So I would be remiss if I did not mention because this is all part of the story. So now we're in this kind of like 2015, 16 range, but. Mm-hmm. I've told this story many a times, other people have told, but I've never heard you kind of tell your perspective of this Ooh. story uh, about Brownies and Lemonade. I have a so, pretty good perspective y- of it, too. <laughs> okay, good, good, because this is important. Um, I've been asked about it many times, how did Brownies and Lemonade kind of get started? And obviously, we had been around for you know a decent amount of years as local promoters, but it was... 2016, I believe it was January. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in a small Freezing. art gallery, little warehouse space in uh, on La Brea near Pico and Olympic. And <laughs> very very small. Also, funny <laughs> enough, the auto shop next to it is called BNL Auto Body now. Shut up. Yes. It's I know exactly random. where that is. You know where that yeah, is. Yeah, it's we by all time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, They weren't always called that?
1: I don't think so. Or at least we wow. didn't notice. But, That's some uh, serendipity
2: right there. Yeah, That's weird. crazy.
1: So we were throwing this party with a bunch of internet kids from Nest HQ. Uh, I, think the, I think the party was called New Phone Who Dis? New
2: Phone Who Dis. <laughs> and, so uh, you we were, all had aliases. We all, all, had, a, we all were, had fake DJ names. Yeah, you
1: were Littlefoot.
2: I was Littlefoot. Uh, DJ Mint Limeade. Yes. Fan <laughs> fix. Yes,
1: yes. It was um, wow. very internet. Um But anyway, I'll I'll let you kind of tell the story. Uh, So you're going to come through and then what happened?
2: So, what I heard from my my friend Joseph, he's like, we're throwing the sickest internet party with our friends. It's going to be in a tiny little art house, um, and we're going to play, because Joseph was the only person, only one of my friends that actually listened to Happy Hardcore at the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was, he was an anomaly. Like, everyone else was listening to, like, normal stuff, and he was listening to Hard Dance, Happy Hardcore, like, all this stuff that yeah. I grew up on. So, that's why I really, like, resonated and, and really liked Joseph. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so down. I'm going to come through, and I'm going to play a full Happy Hardcore set Um and then my my friend my friend Skrillex at the time finds out he gets he catches wind of like what's going on. He calls me. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I'm going to go DJ at this party. You want to come?" He's like, "Yeah, can I play with you?" And I was like, "Yes, but we're playing <laughs> but... we're playing hardcore. Like we're playing like happy hardcore, like really fast stuff." He's like, "Yeah, duh, of course. Got it. <laughs> no problem. So perfect um so we show up at the party and it is slammed there's like it's raining from the roof that's how much sweat there is and it's in january so like that's impressive yeah.
1: Yeah. um I, and when word had gotten around that he was yeah word had gotten yeah, around, around somehow, somehow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we show up and we start playing and he starts playing dubstep <laughs> You're and like, i'm like Nuh-uh. this motherfucker like i told you gotta to play fast and so i i speed up his dubstep to like i think 150 and i and i like 150 is like era and i bring my happy hardcore which is like usually around 170 to 180 i drop that down to like 160 so we're meeting in the middle and between like 150 to 160 just like hard. But i'm playing hardcore and he's playing dubstep and i don't know how it worked but it was probably one of the coolest most fun sets it's perfect yeah no it's, it's, it's just Imagine just playing like... I mean, Actually, it happens now. It's called yeah, Speed House. Everyone's yeah. just playing their house songs really, really was fast. There's a
1: lot of <laughs> Skrillex music faster. We too.
2: invented Speed House yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what happened, in, that yeah, that's what happened <laughs> in the art gallery. That's what happened in the art gallery. Beautiful.
1: I think it was awesome. It was like...
2: It was such a special It moment. was so
1: packed that people couldn't leave. I always say... I always mention this.
2: <laughs> yeah. People no, were true. climbing
1: the fence of the auto body shop to get out. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is...
2: Um... <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe a fire hazard for sure. <laughs> I remember I had like eyeliner and makeup on and when i walked out it was <laughs> down my entire face and i was like oh wow They're like this is a look the
1: photos are not flattering and have been shared all over we're drenched uh, it's very oh much of the era so you know
2: what you have to do now is you have to
0: go to the bnl auto, auto, auto shop and redo this all <laughs> all. no we actually we should. should that yeah. would be so that would be the moment
1: it's coming up the reunion, the reunion. yeah we, we will it'll be a reenactment it it it'll be right. like the I'm civil war reenactments <laughs> we'll just all dress up in mid 2010s clothing
2: um i'm going to dye my hair yeah, yeah. we'll get
1: we'll get joseph to come back too that would be the tough one
2: <laughs> but uh
1: miss you miss if you, you're bro. out here
2: joseph come back hope please. you're listening
1: um but you know uh, so unintentionally and maybe you know indirectly or directly this kind of was the watershed moment for brownies and lemonade so i gotta thank you oh man if it wasn't for that serendipitous moment My pleasure. I,
2: I feel like i just had i just got to party I <laughs> you guys made it all happen hey
1: Tanache was there so it's like yo you guys brought <laughs> Tanache to our, our busted ass uh we, our did, a, we did
2: another one pretty shortly after the same place didn't mm-hmm. we yeah, we did. Uh, Never be alone. Yeah, that, we did a party right after because it was such a big success. We we're like, let's yeah. run it back. So we did Never Be Alone a party for my fake record label, and we made um, a compilation.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you got to do the set like a little bit more. Your your set you wanted.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, you know, but, Sonny had to
1: tag you back because you did. You only had house on your on your flash drive. The
2: time before. That's a fair point. I just remember him point. hearing all of his dubstep like so fast. He's like, "This is crazy. Let's go." He was having so much fun.
1: Um. Yeah, <laughs> no, we've done a lot of great things together uh, with your Fuck a Genre stuff. Oh, yeah. We've done
2: so many parties together. I know. It's that been one been Union, That was a big one. Please. Um,
1: you know, uh, I think one of the things that you had mentioned that I kind of t- took a page out of at the same time is like when the iron is hot, you just got to strike, you know? Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's kind of like what you did after the Bonnaroo thing. You just use that momentum to kind of keep going in your career. But that's actually what happened after y'all came through for that show, is Kush and I, um, Kush from Bryce, and Bryson, we had sat down and we are like, "Yeah, like, Sonny's wearing our hat right now. Like, we have <laughs> to capitalize on this. Totally. So we decided, we made a concerted effort, that we were gonna throw a party every single weekend wow. at a different venue and sometimes multiple. And we did that for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. So like you were saying, like that door opened and it was the intention that we walked through Mm -hmm. afterwards. So
2: yeah, you saw your opportunity and you saw what was working and you're like, let's just make this as big and cool as, as we can. And honestly, you guys are throwing the craziest parties in Los Angeles. Like years later, now you always have like the sickest venues. You're, TikTok is killing it. Like you've grown so much. <laughs> well, it's so it is impressive.
1: I, we have to you know you're you're a part of that, a big part of that. So thank you.
2: I'm I am humbled to be a part of that. Uh, yeah, Aww.
1: I'm glad that we uh, got the the moisture in that in that venue. Like, it was disgusting. It
0: was It
2: was absolutely disgusting. It was yeah. a sign of a great party though. I, th- yeah. th- oh that's
1: that was the, you know, that's that was the fire in which we we all kind of um came out of but yeah it, it's
2: very diy punk culture <laughs> yeah Yeah. so fun Yeah, and so
1: like around that era like alza was kind of at its peak you know um i think that was the the golden era i guess or the apex of that era like what were some of the things that kind of happened around that time that you recall that were really instrumental to your career
2: i think living in the arts district all of my next door neighbors were my friends mm-hmm. um that was really helpful we all kind of you know Stayed in the same area, lived in the same in the same blocks, and we'd just hang out and skateboard and you go get coffees every single day. Like mm-hmm. that was that was really special. And then also like the studios that they um, started renovating were really close to where we all lived. So then we'd all go to the studios together, and that's how a lot of collaborations um, happened. Um, me and Vendetta happened in those studios with the song Better. Um, Classic. Yeah, I'm like, what other fun things? I don't know. I think it was just like the community. Of, yeah. it, of it all
0: yeah that was a huge huge time yeah it was, it was like watching from the outside in it felt like that too you could really feel that everyone was actually friends enjoying what they were doing together too so that's very important yeah everything
2: was super authentic it wasn't like it wasn't curated I mean I guess in a way it was curated by Sonny but but at the same time it wasn't fully like he would like he would like come in and like like bring new people in sometimes or be like excited about certain things but it was really my my relationship with everyone at Elsa and, and at Nest that, yeah. you know, made me feel really comfortable and confident and, like, always wanted to hang out, always wanted to, like, do all these things. Yeah, um, yeah. We were always doing activities just, together. Yeah, and yeah. L.A.
1: <laughs> was so alive. I remember we were all at a Mixed Mag Lab once.
2: Oh, oh yeah. A hundred
0: percent. Many, many, but,
1: you know. <laughs> yeah, just, I was
0: at all of them, I, so. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever you guys were there, I was also
2: there. <laughs> I, I miss yeah. Mixed Mag Labs.
0: I know. That oh, was man. also a good era yeah, was of great. L.A. lore. Um, and I feel like one thing that probably... Helped you during that era is like, it's almost like because you were, I guess, in that time learning your producer or like honing in on your producer skills. You know, it's something that you've kept throughout your whole career too. Is the fuck a genre like being open to everything, and I feel like that must have helped because you were just down to like work with whoever was around 100%. and whoever you were friends with and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I would, I would, I would get put in sessions with people like you know people from Elsa a lot of times to do like specific things for the label, but. um Yeah, I feel like I was a really pretentious house head before moving to L.A., and I wasn't able to make, like, music that was up to par with, you know, the type of music that I was used to listening to or Mm. used to DJing. And so I kind of skipped over house music, Mm. other than Crank It!, which was, like, the first song that I ever put out, and that was literally made because I wanted to make a house song, and David was like, okay, I'll teach you how to produce, but David made trap music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I was like teaching him about like future, uh, future gr- like garage and all these different things. Yeah. And, and um, this is and, like, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Gasly yeah, yeah. and showing him like all these AC Slater tapes. And I was like, "This is our inspo. This is what I want to do." And so that's where that came out of. But afterwards, when I was trying to do stuff by myself, I was like, "This isn't hitting. It's not yeah. hitting the way I want to." So I started making like a bunch of other types of music um, yeah. instead. And then now I finally, oh my god, I'm in my producer era, and it feels yeah so good. Finally, yeah. Like, every year I'm like. I still don't know what I'm doing, even though I do a little bit more. But now I finally, like, I think, I don't know, I think there's something to, like, letting go of, like, Mm. trying and letting go of caring and just being willing to make the dumbest noises and being, like, keeping everything really Fisher-Price, really simple. And that (laughs) has, like, honed me into my... My producer era and made everything a lot easier and more fun. Yeah. So now I can can put out house music. Yeah,
0: because I can imagine because you care so much about the genre and you like knew so much about it that like when you're making your own, you hold it to higher standards, right? Yeah, because
2: everything sucks. Yeah. That sounds because you're like, this is not as good as like what I'm used to playing. Yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah, let's talk about your new music because there's the new EP. And I do like that you bring up that you know that kind of like not caring about things vibe because i was listening to the music and there is like both like serious tones of like things that you're bringing in as far as like sampling to it but then like really funny things like i heard like the kim possible like little ringtone and i was like i love tag. that I, <laughs> just, I, lo- <laughs> I
2: decided halfway through my ep yeah I love that. you're <laughs> like it's like, starting not, now it's starting ish. now and then my the mastering engineer accidentally put it twice in the last song i did and i was like i'm not even gonna take it out <laughs> <laughs>
0: let not know. I love it. It's a good one. Thanks. Good one. I personally <laughs> love that so much. But yeah, talk to us a little bit about like starting to make this work of like work of art and like where you started with it, I guess.
2: Yeah, I got into a, I got into this mindset of just like not caring, being willing to upload whatever I make to the, to the internet, like off the cuff. I got into this zone maybe two years ago when I started selling music NFTs. Mm. Um, selling music NFTs is literally just like uploading a song on soundcloud essentially and then you get some free money from it if you're lucky maybe not Um, (laughs) but i ended up meeting a lot of like songwriters and a lot of other producers through these people through Mm -hmm. web3 um bloody white being one of them and deegan being another one and those were the two features on my first two songs that i put out um and i don't know i don't know what i was trying to go on saying with them oh yeah those ones are a little bit less serious right because I was just like writing beats and these guys are songwriters and so for those two songs I just sent them out mm-hmm. to just have them write over and loved what they came back yeah. with and like ended up finishing them and putting it on the EP. Mm. But then there are like, you know, the ser- the more serious songs Yeah, would be the last one I did uh, with Cakes to Killah and Rekno. That whole song is like, makes me cry, honestly. Like when I, ma- when I made the demo I had started bawling because I was like, this is so powerful because of the samples that are in the song. Yeah. Uh, Paris is Burning. And so I was really, really happy pleased with myself when I was able to produce some uh, a song that actually felt like it gave justice to the samples and yeah. like emotively like helped.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah. I do like the switch up at the end of that because uh, at the end of that song, because like for the first bits of the song, it's very emotional, very uh, inspiring. But the last little bit is, I want to be a big star. It's like, now scratch <laughs> all that, like screw all this like good advice. I'm just going to be the biggest star. So it, there's still like kind of like a, a silliness and yeah. a, a lighthearted touch to all of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love that. And then I also want to hear the story about um, a woman walks into the room. Yes, right? a woman
2: comes into the, comes room. Into the room. Yeah. Uh, so I found this song in 2015, I think me and Blaze D'Angelo, uh, the GM or label head at Elsa at the time, were going back to back because he was like my little house music guru best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were constantly sharing records with each other. And I showed him this record or he showed me, I can't remember, but either way, we became obsessed and we were rinsing it for years. Okay, flash forward to last year. I'm trying to find this song and I cannot find it for the life of me. I can't Google a woman comes into the, I'm Googling the entire poem and I just can't find it. <laughs> um, and so I but, I, but I did find like, I think my friend sent it to me. I did get it and I ended up stripping the acapella and I was like, really excited when i did find it again and i was like i'm gonna make my own version mm-hmm. but now i have to figure out like who this woman is still right because I'm, I'm gonna clear anything or at least try to so i ended up hitting up uh the producer of the original song called bone Her hand by medicine eight who's like an old head he's changed his <laughs> dj name producer name he's had multiple record labels like yeah he's like constantly like changing so finding this man was not easy
1: where's he based out of
2: <sighs> oh I can't remember. Is it in the U.S.? or It's uh, in the U.S., the US? yeah. Okay. Somewhere. In, somewhere in the U.S., I can't remember exactly. <laughs> I had, I just like, I DM'd him. Okay. I found him on LinkedIn, and then I, and then <laughs> oh, I DM'd wow. him on Instagram. Honestly, yeah, so it was a deep, deep how, search. It kind of works. <laughs> but it got even deeper because then I told him what I was doing, and I was trying to get like some information, and he was like, oh, that's crazy. That's an old poetry record from the 70s. I have it in my basement. Give me a week. I'll try to find it for you. I was like okay like thank you (laughs) two weeks later he sends me the most blurry photo of this record and i'm like trying to like zoom in trying to read it i finally decipher alice Notley is her name Wow. Um, and then after an even more extensive linkedin search i found her she is 77 years old she lives in paris um i cold dm'd her and i was like hey really inspired by this poem um i made a whole song like I would love your permission to use your vocal and give you like songwriting credits and splits on the master and everything. This woman has like no idea about any music related <laughs> thing. She's like, hmm, seems like a good idea. Seems pretty like she, she's very cute, very quirky. Like, just glad she responded. Her emails also. are very seventy yeah, seven year old woman Love esque. She's like, hold on, I gotta go pick up my son or something, like my grandkid or something. I was like, why is she telling me this? Yeah, really, like, you can just put the phone down. But that's Anyways, okay. <laughs> she now has a Distrokid account. Um, that I pay ten dollars a year for for oh her. Oh my
1: god! Um, That's so awesome. so just that in is... case
2: she ever wants to collect her royalties, she can. <laughs> She's like, sure, for sure. I know exactly yeah, how to great. do that. Yeah, I got her blessing. That was very sweet of her. Wow, and very sweet of the 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 producer as well to like go through that to like help. Yeah, her. I mean, he was stoked that I was using it, and he was like, "You have to let her know. Like, she'll probably be so excited." And I was like, "Okay," because I was a little nervous. Usually, when I ask for clearances, I am immediately shot down with like thousands right. of dollars it's tough. That's tough. Yeah. yeah. They're like, "Oh yeah?" Yeah. <laughs> we'll <But>
0: pay up. <laughs> there you go. Music head to music head respect, yeah. right? I he mean, like you got fresh, to imagine yeah.
1: that there's thousands and thousands of stories of musicians who their catalog isn't in rotation, you know, by mm-hmm. a lot of people who be I'm sure, really overjoyed to have their music get a second life. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, we're in this age of like, yeah, I just got, I heard another, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac EDM cover at the gym or whatever. You know, it's like <laughs> it, we're in that cycle. <laughs> yeah. But there's just so much stuff there that deserves a second life, I think. That, yeah. Totally. You know, and that, that
2: wasn't even music. That was just a poem. It's literally a poetry record. There's no music yeah. on it. That's crazy. I know. That's I know. really wild. Well, she's so cool.
1: <laughs> that's that's so interesting. They were saying that it just like disappeared. <laughs> well, I
2: just I, I lost it. I think I like I, my computer broke. I had to get a whole new iTunes, and I had a hard drive, but I didn't. It was on the hard drive, but I just didn't. You know, I didn't, if yeah. ha- I didn't find the hard drive, I could go through all my 10,000 songs on the hard drive for a long time until I had to. Yeah. yeah well, you found it. Away. That's
1: good. You did a little LinkedIn yeah. investigating. I know.
2: And then I made my little song and then I got my little approval. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. You know, Blaze told me the other day, Blaze, uh, I, I still love him so much. He goes, you're a sick label head. And I was like, thank you. Because I'm, you know, I'm the only label head of my, my stuff and I don't manage anyone except for me. Yeah. But just to be told by someone that like was a really sick label head that like, Calling me yeah. a Label Head? Thank you. Yeah.
1: Tell us about the label.
2: Oh, um, it's it's uh, Never Be Alone. You guys should know because you threw our first party. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, you, you did our Shut first compilation. Be- <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> you made out up. of body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's not, it's not a real record label. It's just what I, I type in on DistroKid when it says to put where the record label is supposed to go. I've always put NeverBeAlone.mp3. Awesome. Um, so it's just my music. Just me releasing my own stuff as as I please. My whole EP yep. actually came out in kind of a silly way. Like you know, usually people write the EP first, and then they like send it off, and then they make the art, and like mm-hmm. you know, they do everything ahead of time, and then they have the rollout plan. But I only had two songs that I knew for sure I wanted to be on the EP, and those were the first two. But I was like, hey, I could I could write a song a month. Um, so I'll just like make one song a month until I decided the EP is done, and then after the those last <laughs> two songs, I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna cap this one at four. But I do have, like, two other songs coming out before the end of the year that I'm even more excited about it. That's yeah, what I mean. Awesome. Like, I'm in my—I'm yeah. finally, like, hitting my mark, and I'm—I think not touring for a while helped, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are
0: You, you make music better when you're at home? 100%. Stationary. Okay, I, yeah.
2: It's hard to get into, like, a creative flow when it comes to making music when you're touring on the weekends. Yeah. Because, like— mm. You know, you want Monday to recover, maybe. You're like, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll go in the studio. Thursday, you're back out again. It takes, like, two days just to, like, get into a flow and when you can actually catch it like you don't want to be interrupted you want to just keep going and writing it for as long as you can yeah
0: yeah i've always admired when people say that they can work really well on the road because i'm like you must have like laser focus abilities to like block out everything going around you that sounds hard
2: i think that's why it took me so like so much longer to learn how to produce than than most people because when i started producing i was on the road 24 seven. right and that was like that was the hardest hardest part was trying to balance that
1: you were, yeah. like, reactively learning how to produce, but you were also, your career was, like,
0: yeah. Off. yeah Yeah, and I
2: would be, like, you know, having, like, touring on the weekends, and it'd be really sick, and then coming back and, like, trying to work on things and just, like, so frustrated because like it takes a long time to get through that gray area yeah of like it's hard to get good at something god it, it takes, takes a long, long time It takes a, just a lot of repetition yeah so.
0: especially as you get older i feel like it gets it feels harder because as you're struggling to get better at something you're like why am i not amazing at this yet
2: yeah i don't <laughs> i don't get it i'm good at everything the second yeah. i started yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> that's how it works how has it been for you because you've been touring for so long now yeah how do you get through that how do you survive it.
2: <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. Um, Touring I, is difficult. I survive it by not doing drugs, like not doing cocaine, um, especially like I smoke weed, but like yeah. that's whatever. That's that's mild. Yeah, I don't do party drugs. I don't do any of the party drugs when I'm at when I'm performing or um, yeah, even like going to raves. It helps for me now because I have friends in every city. Mm. So there was there was a gray period where it was extremely hard when I wasn't touring with anybody and I Mm. didn't have friends in any city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, that was like in the beginning, like the first couple of years, which was equally as exciting because you're getting all these new experiences for the first time. So like Mm -hmm. the first round, first two rounds, it's totally fine. But then once you like start repeating the cycle you're, you're having a lot of the same conversations fleeting convert like really fleeting conversations mm. um with the same people with different people every night but you're not actually making like real connections, connections. yeah you're, so that's that that was a little weird to navigate um but then i got a tour manager and then everything was fine for a while um until you know eventually you run into your your first DJ existential crises and you're like I'm more than a DJ like why am I not happy doing this and then yeah. you start a band
1: yeah so you did a <laughs> you did your uh, band you, you, you had your a band, band <laughs> era and you and uh you were doing a lot of live so what was yeah. that what was that
2: that was your life like that was me having a massive ex- existential <laughs> crisis uh, and you know you're on these you find yourselves on these massive stages in front of thousands of people sometimes and you're just between two little monitors and you're not using any of the space on the stage <laughs> and you're like this just feels like i could be doing so much more yeah. and especially like when you've only been doing the same thing yeah. over and over again it's like i i'm not a stagnant person like i've always I get bored, I have ADHD, like I wanna know what's next. Yeah. Um, and so I had to I had to do that. I think in doing it, it was the biggest growing opportunity that I could have given myself because when I tell you, like making TikToks embarrasses me, but like performing on a live stage with the bands all mm-hmm. running on yeah. my computer through my Ableton with like anything could happen at any moment is petrifying. Yeah. Um so mm-hmm. I really like overcome a lot of fear um that I had during that phase and when i came back to djing afterwards oh baby i was i'm like yeah i'm fucking sick like nobody can touch me like i'm so this is the one thing that i have that i know for a fact that i'm really good at and just the confidence coming back into it yeah unreal so like i highly recommend anybody who's feeling like stagnant even if you're at the top of your game like I don't know. Do something crazy. Fuck around and find out. Like yeah. you might lose all your money, like I did, because COVID happens right after. But you know what? It's
0: still worth it because <laughs> you're like worst the case time, scenario is already done. But so you know, but know. you
2: know what? It's like the worst case scenario is that you become a starving artist again. And let's be real. Yeah, we are at our best. We 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 re, we recognize those doors that open for us mm-hmm. almost immediately when we're starving artists. Absolutely. I stopped recognizing those doors yeah. as I got bigger. Yeah, for sure. It, and then like full circle and like now i think i'm back again but like at the time like before i was started that whole band and i was just like spiraling like i wasn't seeing those doors anymore
1: Mm. oh i totally agree with you i mean people told me on the come up like around that era that we were talking about um prior it was like you're like dude you know just everything becomes normal You know, Mm -hmm. and once things become normal, you stop being aware of. Stop being
2: hungry, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you stop noticing the doors that open for you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And
1: that's why 2020 to when lockdown until when lockdown ended was like a is like a stagnation period. But like that's where I think real growth comes from because it's not going to always be this like tangential upward curve. It's kind of like stairs. Yeah, kind of like mm. you go up and then you kind of plateau a bit and you experiment experiment Then you go up a little bit more and then you kind of, yeah. you know, might a plateau again But as long as you keep that directional um, yeah. growth yeah, it's So like, yeah. like when you're
2: playing guitar and you're like you're playing you're playing you're playing you're like oh i'm getting good Oh, wait, I'm, I think i'm getting worse and then you sleep and then you come back <laughs> the next day Or like when you're studying for a test and yes. like yeah, you can't remember and then you sleep and then you remember it the next time Yes, yes. yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. Little stairs. Well,
1: yeah, I know it's it. I have a question for you yeah. Is, um about DJing,
2: ooh, ooh. Um,
1: you know? So I've, I've only been a DJ in my life. I've never been a producer, but I've been DJing for a while. And I agree with you, like when I'm up there, I'm like, bro, I'm pretty sick, honestly. You know like, when you're yeah. a good DJ. because <laughs> it's, like, it's Literally, I've done the 10,000 hours, you know? So it's like, in DJing. So that I can really stand firm on now. But my perspective has changed a lot, you know? And I used to be really pro-DJ, especially local DJ. And like, I think DJing is really important, being a good DJ. Just as much as producing, but now I think kind of post-pandemic, I've, there's a huge influx of DJs. Um, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have learned how to DJ, or we're in like the we're in like a very big time for DJing right now. Again, are we? I think so. Well, from what you're I'm seeing, you're
2: busy
0: being in your producer. Well, I just <laughs> everyone just, else is in their DJ. Yeah, no, actually, <laughs> the, I see,
2: I'm always just like one step ahead. of Yeah, it exactly. Like there you or, go. Wow. Yeah. Who knows?
1: I just see more. Growth or like more like opportunities for people who just DJ now, mm. and to the mm. point that it's actually made me value the producer True, more. Actually, yeah, it's like
2: even even seeing that on TikTok, like the amount of people that are just getting like super big, making like crazy mashups, just mashups, yeah. yeah. So and I think that's that is one sometimes of the bad big bad mashups sometimes, sometimes they go that. viral <laughs> <that> too. Honestly,
0: <laughs> let's
2: be real. Uh
1: But uh yeah, I was just interested to get your perspective because you basically yeah you you mentioned the TikTok thing. I think that's a huge part of it, but um. Yeah, I mean, like I think that I value producers a lot more now. I mean, not to turn my back on my my DJ Ken, yeah, hearing, but, People. <laughs> yeah but I just like I don't know, like I just feel like now we're now DJs DJing is so accessible that like mm. having really good your, your own music means more than ever now.
2: No, I think that. There's different types of DJs. You have you have people like Wookie, right, who just makes like the most insane edits every single day and those work on TikTok <laughs> mm-hmm. like they go off and he's an incredible DJ and incredible producer. Yeah. You have people that can do both. Um I don't know, for me what like makes DJing so special is the catalog of music that you bring to the table. Yeah. Like you can be good technically. You can be playing all of the hits that like people are like on like the Beatport top whatever. But that's like that's not going to make you stand out. That's not going to make people remember you. And they're not going to be, like, trying to find... I want people to be able to, tr- like, looking up for years, trying to find the songs that I'm putting out. Yeah. And with the A Woman Comes Into a Room, there was one person that, for years, they would always hit me up trying to figure out what it was called. Ah. And I was like, that's why I kept hitting my head. I was, like, always trying to find it, too. Yes. Yeah. Nice. But, um...
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know. I used to I used to think that, like, there was a big a bigger separ- separation. Like, the producers were supposed to make the records. The DJs had the means to play it and they were gonna play the good ones and like Mm -hmm. then the producer had their big uprise and um, they became superstars and now like DJs are producers are called DJs right um, which you know they go hand in it DJing's like not hard but if you have good taste and you like have the catalog then you, I, don't think, I don't know i think anyone can kind of do it yeah, yeah.
1: it's just but, a lot more subjective yeah anyway, no, finish, I your, keep, thought. Keep finish your thought no no because I, I agree with you i agree <laughs> with I feel you
2: about DJs and producers? yeah
1: yeah well that, i
2: hate <laughs> them all you're like i'm the best everyone else sucks that's how i feel <laughs> i just mean my acoustic guitar going crazy okay so i think that the the biggest like thing that's occurred is djs used to play in soft ticket rooms that mm-hmm. was like you could just be a DJ and you could be getting hired by a club. Yeah. Not because of your social media following, but because you were going to guarantee that everybody that was in the room was gonna stay in the room, keep Have drinking, mm-hmm. keep having a good time. Like that's kind of what the job was um, until the producer thing happened. Yeah. And now yeah. everything is all hard all hard tickets. Yeah. And that's that's another huge thing that makes like the barrier to entry even harder mm-hmm. because you can't just be like, you know. Going to club to club, like trying out different rooms, like showing off your skills, like you really have to be the person that's selling the tickets. Yeah. And it is not easy to no. sell tickets unless you like have a lot of hype around you, like at that time. Like it's not easy to sell tickets. And it's it's not uh easy to to feel like you're not being annoying, like like yeah. pushing it down everyone's throats on social media. Like mm. so that's that's kind of my only beef with with the whole producers turning into superstar djs is that there's no more soft ticket rooms right? yeah the stakes a, are higher right out point. the gate yeah.
1: yeah i like that yeah okay i love that <laughs>
2: chad likes Sufficient. your thoughts hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. i swear i have thoughts <laughs> that was great yeah.
0: <laughs> well i also wanted to ask about speaking of djs and everything i saw on your instagram you were talking about how this is like the first time that you have so much of your own original music in your dj sets can you talk a little bit about That.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Being my own label head means that I get to put out music whenever I want. So that's cool because before, anytime that I'd be working with another record label, I love working with the label. I love the song, love making it. But by the time it comes out, like six months to a Mm. year later, I'm so over it. Like, I'm not interested or excited in that anymore. I've already moved on. I'm doing better things. So, like, being my own label head and being able to kind of just throw things out whenever I want to has been. Um, kind of like a big a big like exciting part so now I'm actually playing yeah. all the songs that I like at the time that I'm excited about them which I think translates to the crowd because um, if I'm having fun they're having fun Yeah, and yeah it's cool and I'm also kind of like making things that are all can live in like the same world um, mm-hmm. so it makes it easier and that are all electronic songs so they're not like indie songs this time um so that's also easy that's why i started a band though is because before i was making well i had i was making indie music because i was like i don't know i just really wanted to go deep and figure out like who am i as like an artist outside of like rave outside of everything Um, but are you
1: happy that you went through that experience
2: no 100 percent. it was like the biggest growing curve for me um in my entire career guaranteed um but Coming and it's the same thing with the DJing, coming back to it. I was yeah. like, okay, now I'm now I'm ready to like go full force into electronic music and I have this new layer of confidence that I didn't have before. I feel like I know what I'm doing now. So Yeah.
0: No, it's cool because I feel like hearing you talk about your own journey with it. In my head, I'm, like, making the joke of, like, it's almost like Infinity Stones of, like, you've gotten the DJ one, now you're getting the producer
2: one, and you're like, I've got them all now, and the label head one. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Got my promoter stone. Exactly. Oh, my gosh, what's my next stone? Stand up comedy
1: you. is, uh, you know.
2: A TikTok star stone. Yeah, there exactly. you go. I think you're on yeah. your way for that one. That's good. Oh, no. I don't want that. <laughs> oh, no. I'm scared. They're, they're scary. I'm the TikTok. scary one for Those sure. Those comments are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: hardest stone to obtain.
2: The hardest. You guys got that stone.
1: Oh, my gosh. You got that stone so good. It, zero Shout to out to Kushan. <laughs>
2: He's got that stuff. He's got that yeah, yeah, That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you so much for coming through and you know, and um was there anything that you wanted to share like with people listening right now that to to discover that you uh
0: You're going on
2: tour. Going I'm on going tour? I'm I'm on tour. You're on tour. on tour. I'm on tour. I'm a weekend warrior. Um through the United States and through Toronto or Montreal. Yeah. United States and Montreal. Shout out Montreal. <laughs> oh Shout Canada. out Montreal <laughs> <laughs> this uh this fall. Please come to my show. Um what can people expect at the show? Um, all of the new music that I've been putting out, they can expect that. They can expect a lot of music that hasn't been put out that I have coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of house, techno, drum and bass, dance music. You know, all, are you all. tossing any happy hardcore in there? I, 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 I do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hell I actually I'm have glad. a few. Of I have so many demos right now, and I have some psycho ones that I've been playing. Oh, my oh I gosh. made a remix, actually, for my friend uh, Dove Armitage. Her EP just came out last week. Shout out, Dove. Uh, <laughs> I have a remix of one of her songs that I'm really excited about that is also very, like, Happy Hardcore adjacent. Wow. But I don't know when that comes out, so. I do love that, too, <laughs> that
0: you were always writing for Happy Hardcore, and here we are in the era of speed, Speedcore. speed core. Yeah. It's so Always one step ahead. Maybe five steps ahead, honestly. I, was, I mean, true. I was like this
2: tall when I was. Like, full arms candy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fist pumping. You the knew. The headhunters. You Let's were go. at. She you discovered
1: brownies and lemonade, so, you know.
2: I discovered brownies and it. lemonade. B-O-T. He said like it. I not, made he all He said this. it, not me.
1: <laughs> we'll clip that. Uh, well, thank I'm you I'm getting so investor
2: much. shares. It's going to be great. <laughs>
1: equity on the back end uh, thank you so much for coming through that was awesome
2: yes thank you guys so much
1: yeah <laughs> and uh, thank you to Jose on the ones and twos uh, up, Jose. icon collective music production school this beautiful setup and uh, we'll see you soon Bye. Bye.